We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now on to my guest for today, Pep Laya, an internet marketing expert and founder of CXL and Winter. Pep started out as an entrepreneur when he took a remote work opportunity and moved to Panama to learn Spanish. When he found himself without a job, there he started offering his services in internet marketing. In 2011, he started CXL Marketing which now offers e-learning in marketing, and last year, he founded Winter to provide messaging, testing, and optimization. Like many successful entrepreneurs, Pep saw a need and aimed to fill that need. In working on marketing for CXL, he searched for a service that provided insight into marketing copy in order to improve conversion rates. Not finding any that offered what he was looking for, he decided to start a business that filled that need. That's Winter. Winter pays people to participate in panel testing of marketing copy for both B2C and B2B businesses, providing valuable feedback to companies looking to improve their messaging. He envisions building Winter out to provide other services that will help businesses improve 
and automate their marketing. Full disclosure, I'm on the Winter platform as a tester, and I have paid them for landing page feedback as well. Let's just say I'm a pretty big fan. Now, let's get better together. Pep Laya, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am absolutely thrilled to have you on. And the reason is, is I use Winter, one, for clients, and two, I am actually a tester. So y'all send me an email saying, what do you think of this landing page? What do you think of this company's copy? And I'll tell you, it has been such an eye-opening experience. It's been actually not only a lot of fun, which I know sounds a little weird, um, but I also get paid for it a little bit, not a ton. But it's taught me so much about what's out there, what other people are doing, and uh, just how to be a better copywriter, honestly. So I really want to talk about that. I also want to talk about CXL, which is pretty cool. I haven't dug into that as much. But before we get into that, I always like to start with my favorite question. Um, how did you get to do what you're doing today? Okay. So entrepreneurship, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I was always an intrapreneur, like very active in you know working for other organizations. And then one of my... I landed a remote job in 2007, which was, you know, very unheard of back then. And so I could do my work over Skype. And then so I bought a one-way ticket to Panama, Central America, to learn Spanish. And so I, because I can work anywhere. And then a month in, my employer tells me, hey, uh, we're having financial trouble. We can't pay you. Sorry. And I'm like, whoa. Oh, man. Now what? <laughs> yeah, no. Wow. And so I had just, you know, rented a place and all that stuff and set my life up in Panama. And then, you know, like, whether I go back home or try to make it. And so I decided to try to make it. So I was like, quick assessment of like, what are the skills I have? You know, like I know SEO, I know PPC, I can build websites. And so I offered myself as an intern marketing guy doing SEO and PPC. And I was like, well, who wants foreign traffic? Because I didn't speak Spanish back then. And so I started contacting local real estate agencies, tourism agencies, et cetera, and landed my first clients. And so that was, yeah, so 2007, it was a while ago. So 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, I was freelancing. I had a, a SaaS company 2009 to 11 that failed. I um, did a bunch of freelance consulting, um, affiliate marketing. In 2011, I started CXL as, at first as a blog that turned into a marketing agency, conversion optimization agency. In 2016, I added on CXL Institute, which is like an e-learning company. And then um, 20, uh 20 spring, we launched winter at first as copy testing. But yeah, so I have three companies right now. Yeah, that's uh, that is definitely an accidental journey. I know a lot of people that I've talked to, um, something happens with their big corporate gig, and then it's like, oh, now, now what <laughs> do I? you know, figure out how to get another job or do I try to try my hand at this, you know, the game of entrepreneurship. Um, and so how, how did like, when I look at winter and I look at CXL and all the, um, you know, those, those two companies, it's really 
very apparent that uh, you can write really well. <laughs> Thank you. And so uh, how how'd that journey happen? Because I mean, you know, my guess is English is not your native language, but I, That's I, right. I, I won't make an assumption on that. But um, how did you kind of get into this whole like, oh, I should probably learn to write? Yeah, I guess when you start studying marketing, you learn that it's uh, it's a lot about the words you use. You know, now we also have a lot of data on this where uh, Unbounce had the study across their like 40,000 landing pages or something where copies twice as, influ- as influential as design when it comes to converting customers and being by far the most influential part of the equation. So, but you know, copywriting is not new, right? It's been around, you know, 100 years or, or more uh, uh, as, a, as a discipline. Um, so I quickly learned that this this is what, what works. And my, my background is now in conversion optimization, converting more visitors into customers. And after running countless experiments, I saw that usually the biggest, let's say, results or uplifts came from changing the words, adding words or making them better. And so, yeah, it was a quick realization that, you know, that's where the power is. And then, you know, it's a lot of practice, you know, like it's like any skill, like any other copywriting. I mean, like you just, the more you write, the better you get. That is 100% true. And, and I really love that line, the power is in the words, because as, as an author, as a copywriter, as a communications professional, which is just an odd thing to say, especially given my background, um, I've seen the power of words and the power of story. And I think the, the the words lead to a good story. The good story leads to the emotional pull to do what you want a potential customer to do. And and so do you follow like a process or a framework? Did you learn like, this is how I write copy? Or was it just more of, you know, like, Oh, I've done thousands and thousands of these A/B testing, and these words work better than these words. Well, it's it's less about the words and more about the copywriting principles. You know, uh, like clarity trumps persuasion is like the classic adage. Like you 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 want your copy to be really you know clear and easy to understood. Uh, and there are some some there's some tactical advice as well. Obviously, that you know don't use superlatives, best, fastest things like that because that will instantly trigger people's you know bullshit uh filters they're like they don't believe it so if you say hey we're the fastest pizza delivery in town you go like yeah yeah you're right you know (laughs) whereas when you say hey we deliver a pizza in nine minutes yeah you're like oh that's cool yeah so specificity is believable superlative is met with resistance. Uh, and, you know, this is obviously because we're bombarded with all kinds of like advertising messages, marketing messages that are, you know, superlatives. And, you know, we've, we've learned to not believe that. Yeah, no, it's so true. I, I was doing, a, I was doing a test for you, for you guys. And I won't say the name of the brand <laughs> because I don't want to make them, you know, uh, feel bad, but they had words like that. Like, the one and only the what some words that I'm like, I just don't believe you. I don't care if you've got like all of these quote unquote customers. It's so unbelievable that you're the only one 
that's ever done this? Like, really? And I remember, I, I think I went through at least three or four iterate. I kept on getting like, oh, they, oh, you got to look at this one again. And it was the same brand. And to their credit, they were like refining the message. And by the third time, it was really solid. And I'm like, yeah, I believe you now because you have told me specifics. You said you have a methodology. You've proven the methodology. I mean, there was this, it was, it was shocking. <laughs> like, I guess someone thought, oh yeah, we're the one and only. And you're like, I don't think so. So you're right. That's really, really quite, is, is that what you find when you look at the data on, on winter or, or do you have even metrics for that? Uh, so let's let's clarify this. Do I have metrics on what tends to work better, or how how would you can you clarify the question? Yeah, so, so, sorry about that. Um, yeah, do you have first off? Do you have any like general data on what works better? I mean, you did mention you know specificity um, as mm-hmm. opposed to superlatives. So, is there any any kind of data on that? Question one, and then question two. Do you have that kind of data? On, at winter. Mm-hmm. So winter, what we do with winter is we deliver qualitative data. So it's like open-ended answers to questions. We do have some Likert scales on a scale of one to five. So we're not really currently um, having like quantified data across like industries or, or words that work. So that's not really how it works. Um, we do see general themes do see general themes of like what kind of like uh, so Likert scales on like clarity or um, very important boredom like how badly do you want to keep on reading so we do see that for B2B sites often they get poor clarity scores because they use these big words you know jargon and you know like this synergized integrations with, with cloud super speed highway you know manifestations yeah, we um, uh, we coalesce the vapors of existence into a tangible form. <laughs> exactly right. So it might make the writer seem like, boy, I'm smart for using these words, but everybody else is like, what? And there's this weird idea about B2B copywriting that, that oh, for B2B, we cannot be humans. We need to be like, you know, important and corporate. So as if the 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 Johnny that you're writing for Suddenly, uh, as a B2B John, it's like, at work, I'm B2B John, and then at home, I'm like, B2C John? <laughs> no, <it's> like you're, <laughs> I'm Joe you're, Sixpack, yeah, like, watching the yeah, game. Yeah, <laughs> so you're, you're actually always the same human being, you know? Like, yeah, yep. the, the human yep, yep. being uh, likes, you know, you need cognitive fluency, you know, uh, which is obviously jargon, but... The easier the information is to process, the, the more likely I am to process it. And if copy is boring and like this corporate something robotic language is boring, then you're going to tune out, you're not going to read. And if you're tuned out and you're not going to read, your motivation is not going to increase. And yet motivation is the most powerful lever you have. Because like ultimately on a website, if you want to increase your conversion rate, you have two levers. Increasing motivation, decreasing friction, and motivation is far more powerful. So, uh, my classic example is: if I were to sell a brand new Tesla Model S, let's say for ten thousand dollars, which is a great deal, but you have to fill out a form uh, which has one hundred form fields, massive friction. 
I would guarantee like 99% fill out rate for that form because the motivation is so high, you don't mind the friction, right? In, obviously, in most cases, we we want to do both, minimize friction and increase motivation, but just motivation just goes a lot further. But if your copy is boring, you're not increasing motivation. You're only relying on intrinsic motivation that the person had before coming to your site. Yeah, no, no, totally, totally agree. Like, um, this is especially bad in healthcare and digital healthcare and consumer medical devices and medical devices in general, where you read some of this copy and it's like graduate level <laughs> to understand. And the words are so long and complex that the, the, you know, Joe Sixpack, which my political science teacher way back in the day used to call like the average voter or the average person, mm -hmm. they're going to like completely glaze their eyes over it and, and go away. And I, I love that whole minimize friction, increase motivation. Um, and so how, how, how do you increase motivation for a piece of copy? What, what, what are mm -hmm. sort of the motivation levers or triggers, so to speak? Oh, yeah, I guess uh, very long, lengthy books have been written, up, written about this subject. Uh, to really simplify, it's about uh, desired gains and avoiding pains that you have. You know, like, do you want to have this benefit? Like, so, you know, your classic, fitness or diet product ad is like, oh, did you want this six pack abs and, you know, this, you know, fit body and whatever. It's like, yes, that is the dream I want to buy into, you know, like you sell a future uh, that, that, that is desirable. So you want more, get more leads or more publicity and more Twitter followers. And so like, yeah, so people have goals, they have something that they want or they're like, this damn thing is taking me hours on end. Like I'm wasting my life doing this stupid thing. And now you say, Hey, we can automate this process for you. And like you solve that pain. So that's and broadly speaking, that those are the two things, desired gains and you know, avoiding pains. Yeah, no, I see a lot of that as well. I mean, I, it's so funny once, once you start doing this for a living, because originally I, I was an engineer, like I designed computer mm -hmm. chips. I, I never in a billion years would think I'd ever do this. It's a, I talk about the story all the time because of my late wife who, yeah. who passed away from leukemia. Oh man, um, it I'm was, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, it was her business that I like inherited, <laughs> so to speak. Oh. Um, but and again, that's a longer story. But what, what's interesting is that as you are involved with trying to persuade people, convince people, motivate people to do something with writing or with a website or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you sort of start to see these, these things, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's like a subtle shift. It's sort of when I, when I started to study story really in depth with the story grid, which is what I, I'm sort of a story nerd. I would see these themes in every story, the hero's journey, the virgin's promise, yeah. the, you know, the dinner scene, <laughs> you know, the, the reveal, the criminal scene, you know, all these things where you're like, oh, there are these patterns. Oh, well, if they're, we must be, oh, well, there's lots of these patterns and, oh, humans are pattern matching machines. I mean, we're really good at pattern matching to save our cognitive mm -hmm. overload. And this whole thing about reducing friction or what I think Sugarman called like the slippery slope or the slippery slide. Or no, it was Halbert, Gary Halbert, the slippery slide, like make the copy so effortless that you get to the end and you're like, oh yeah, what do I got to do? Wow, this is great. You know, click, click the button. 
Um, yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned you were at CXL, um, founded that, you know, originally as a blog. And then, and then you moved to copy testing, which is now winter. What, what need did you see to, to, to like, yeah. oh, I'm going to start this copy testing thing? Because I remember when you originally started out, it was B2C and, I, yeah. I just, I just remember, I think you've even, you even like emailed me back a couple of times. Cause I like had these questions and like, it was a little clunky, but what was that transition like? Because that's, I think that's the best example of like a pivot you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. that I can think um, about, you know? So at CXL, which is an e-learning company, we basically sell marketing, uh, education, data-driven marketing courses and training programs. And we have some 60-plus different courses, new ones released every month. Each course has their own sales page. You know, we drive traffic to those sales pages through paid ads as well as, uh, you know, from an email list and then also SEO. And then we have webinar landing pages, other pay-per-click, like lead generation landing pages. All those pages are copy-heavy because, you know, traditionally, the more complicated and or expensive the product, the more words you need, the more copy you need. So training is not a standardized product. You know, like a coffee cup doesn't need a lot of copy because it's a, everybody knows what it is. So if we say I have an you know, account-based marketing training program, it could be anything. Like So I need a lot of words to explain it. Now, we quickly learned that in order to improve the conversion rate on those pages, we need to improve the copy because they're very copy-heavy. So, okay, need to improve the copy. So how do we go about that? Uh, so we need to first understand what's wrong with the copy so we could, you know, fix those problems. And there was nothing that we could think of. Like Google Analytics doesn't tell me anything or these hot jar heat maps or whatever you want to use. to tell you nothing. They can tell you about like, what the users do, like they click or they don't click, they scroll or they don't scroll, but why? No idea. And so I started to look for a tool that can help me answer these questions. Didn't find one, but I found a lot of people with the exact same problem. They have copy and they, they don't know what's wrong with it. And I was like, wow, we live in this world where we can measure every single thing except copy, which is the most influential part of the website. So there's a business opportunity here. And then we got to work. And we launched it at first as a business-to-consumer offering in terms of like the panels that we provided because we, didn't, we thought we were in the business of improving copy. And we didn't want to provide the panel uh, or build the panel ourselves, the panel of people. So we thought we we're going to tap into third-party services. So there are various panel companies around that, uh, you know, that already have millions of people in their database and through an API, we can just request people from those panels and um, and all those panel companies can provide great B2B, sorry, B2C consumer panels. And so we were consumer panels only. And then we started to learn many murky things about the panel industry. Well, <laughs> Oh, really? Things, oh, do tell. Oh, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, you know... So, okay, there's Amazon Mechanical Turk, and that's, you know, anybody can do, you know, that's, that's okay, fine. You know, it has a lot of people that are not who they claim to be, uh, mostly a huge amount of bots. So if you go to tools like, I don't know, Usability Hub, and then you run a poll uh, and get, you need 1,000 people to respond to your, your multiple choice survey, 
they guarantee like 90% of bots, you know, like this is not real humans even. Uh, wow. There are ways to like filter out the bots if you know how to work with MTurk. But then there are other reputable panel companies, you know, your Synth and uh, Disco and Lucid and, you know, there's, there's a bunch of them. They're all consumer panels. And then, you know, they say, oh, we have billions of people. And so it was like, great. So let's do some, let's, we want to target VP marketing. They could also claim B2B. And so we, we, we set up integrations, like test integrations with those panel companies to recruit panelists through their panels. And we, uh, they, you know, they say it's VP marketing. And then obviously these people didn't know anything about marketing. You know, there's a client that we had that was like, AI for organic search, and the the so suppose that VP marketing is saying so. What does organic food have to do with like traffic on the streets? The concept <laughs> of organic traffic, it just they had no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, and so then we learned basically that these panel companies, uh, it's 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 a big scam. And a lot of these people are not who they claim to be because anybody can be whoever on the... Nobody knows you're a dog on the internet, right? And so then we realized that actually we're in the business of providing panels. And we changed our identity. We're not about fixing copy, although like message testing is our key use case. So that's still there. But actually, we are in the business of B2B panels. So we pivoted all the way to... We still have consumer panels, but where we're mostly servicing now B2B companies that want to hear from business panels, uh, and we're building our own. And the future vision is that we are we can build any other type of service on top of this audience delivery. So message testing is just one use case. Then we can do audience research, market research. Like if you're in a, I don't know, PR agency, and you're selling to, I don't know, tech company, uh, where you're selling to VP marketings, what are their problems with PR? Like, why mm. aren't they, uh, like, uh, what type of problems do they want PR agents to solve for them? Why can't they do it in-house? What are they, well, what are they are doing in-house, that, but what do they want to outsource and so on and so forth? And so I can survey these tech VP marketings and then craft my messaging to, to talk to to talk about the desired uh, gains and you know the pains they want to avoid, and so that kind of like so. Anyways, uh, that's kind of the future vision. Like any imaginable use case that we can build by you know offering panels of verified people. That that's kind of like the the vision that we're now building towards. Oh, I think that's absolute gold, absolute gold because. A lot of the companies that I work for or work with on the you know PR marketing communications front, you know the, the first step is we always like okay what's the story what's the big idea how how, how are you going to like message this into the world and you know everyone's got an opinion of course especially the founders usually have a pretty strong opinion about what they are but that doesn't necessarily translate to what the customer is actually thinking or feeling or wanting. Right. Again, yeah. the, you know, what pain, what, uh, what pain or desire are you, are you hitting on or what are the wants and needs, which is the other way that I used like to put it. Cause that's based on story. Like, okay, what story are we telling? And does, does that story resonate with the people that you want to yeah. connect with? And that's like really hard to do. 
<clears throat> and really hard to test in the traditional way to test it, right? As, as you know, we put an A-B test on a landing page, but we don't even know if the A-B test is even valid. Who, who even knows if we're in the right ballpark, right? That, that's been a huge, massive problem. And that's the reason why what you guys are doing at Winter just so powerful because if you can get to that end customer, even if it's a small sample set of a verified, qualified end customer that's actually going, potential end customer, that's actually going to give you like some good advice. And this is the reason why I signed up to be a tester, to be honest. I thought, hey, I am routinely asked to be head of marketing, PR, communications, you know, fractional CMO for all of these, these clients. I want to understand like, oh, if you're going to pitch to me, like you always kind of want to eat your own dog food. I think like, oh, this is what it feels like. Oh, that's really awful. Oh, I'm never going to do that. Or like the comment would be very like, yeah, it's super relevant to, to, to what I'm doing. And, and I, I think that's so fascinating that you're really a panel company. You're really like an expert collector of experts, a collector of these panels. And oh. then just putting, you know, putting these um, like verticals or services on top of that. But the real core of it is like, what you're trying to do is a hard, hard thing. One, one hard to do. Two, not a lot of trust, as you mentioned. So, wow, you know, I can trust. Yeah, the idea I can is, trust uh, you guys. You know, yeah. Uh, there's a. There's, you said we're in, you know providing expertise. Let I would clarify that it's it's not like you know companies like GLG and so on that are like actually delivering you. Niche experts like oh you want consultation right, on right. building a I don't know, I'm glad you brought that up, yeah. parks or whatever but right. it's more like we're delivering you insights from your target uh, audience whoever you're selling to what are they I mean obviously you, you could use it for expertise reasons well but that's like not the the use case that we're really going after here um, and A/B testing you mentioned. A-B testing is really great to validate business impact. So does is B better than A? And if so, by how much, right? But there are two problems. One, A-B testing, even if B is better, you don't know why, right? So, so that's one, like we give you qualitative data that explains the why. And, like, and then what are you testing to begin with? Like where, well, how do you inform your test hypothesis? That's where winter comes in. Like the insights you get from the qualitative research inform the test hypothesis. So ideally, it works in conjunction. Like you do both. Sadly, obviously, with A/B testing, you need significant volume of people on your on your website. Uh, a lot of sites just don't have enough volume to be running A/B tests. You know, like a rough ballpark, you need like 750, 800 transactions a month on your site. Especially if you're B2B, you might not get that many leads, you know. So, so you, but quality, you can always do qualitative research. Yeah. Now, and, and, and I'm, I'm so, one, I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, two, I'm glad you brought up A B testing and sort of the statistics behind things because um, that is a huge problem for B2B companies. When the volume they have is is low, it's hard to get signal on comparisons, right? I mean, anyone that's done any statistics knows, okay, yeah, you could you could say, okay, the minimum for your P factor of whatever is say 30 samples. Well, that's assuming that your sample size is uniform, distributed. I mean, there's a whole like mess of it. And but but I think 
what's really powerful about like what you're doing is that if you've got these qualified um, potential customers or audience that you're trying to like uh, figure out and there's just, and it doesn't have to be a lot of them, which I think is the powerful thing. So you, if you can target it down to that distribution of people, that small audience, then that is a significantly high factor in, well, you know what? This signal is actually higher than thousands of thousands of random people hitting your website. Because again, like you mentioned about bots, let's say you pay a bunch of money for ads and you get a bunch of clicks, quote unquote, or whatever, like who knows where they're coming from? Who knows if they're qualified? Uh, you know, and I think that this qualification process is the real power of what you're doing and, and providing p- qualified panels of, you know, potential, your potential audience, your potential customers just amplifies that signal so that you actually don't need thousands. You need tens or 20 or th- what? I don't remember what you guys, I think it's 10 or 20. I don't remember what you guys use as your standard, but it's, it's absolutely worth the money. I mean, we, when I was at um, Sutro, it was a direct-to-consumer B2C company for uh, smart water testing of your pool and spa. And we mm-hmm. did, I think we did three panels um, with you guys, or th- three tests for different landing pages. And yeah, <laughs> when I was reading through some of the uh, results, one, one of the qualification was, do you have a pool or spa? Because if you don't have a pool or spa, what's the point, right? <laughs> and and this one comment was, well, you know, if I had a pool, this would be really cool. <laughs> I'm all, well, I'm glad you're honest. <laughs> you're supposed to have a pool to answer this. So yes. you guys were very kind about, okay, we'll remove that. I mean, that was, it was cool. Because again, like the tightness of that audience that you're trying to you know, get their feedback from is just so powerful. I mean, that's why I think you guys are totally onto something. And I'm so glad that you clarified like, oh, you know, we're about these audiences as opposed to the services on top because it's just the entrepreneur's journey because like every strategy, strategy is a hypothesis. And then when you launch a business, you have a set of assumptions, you know, based on some data points, but there's no nothing like putting the product out there and then learning from the people, you know, because we learned that the whole idea of what the business is about, actually it, it needs to be something else. And also majority of the companies that instantly got it and wanted it were B2B companies like SaaS companies. They're like, Hey, I want, you know, what you're offering, but like, Oh, you only have consumers. And so we kept on hearing it. And that was like a signal. Oh, that's where the money is. And our assumption was that, oh, it's it's going to be e-commerce companies that are going to be all over it because direct-to-consumer e-commerce is is booming. And, and maybe also that's the factor because the times is so good. All the, During COVID times, all the retail money flew into you know online and then they didn't have any problem to solve. Uh, another thing we learned was like product marketers at like e-commerce companies, uh, when they ship a product page, once the product page has been shipped, they never think about the copy again on those pages. So they don't have a pain to solve with winter. Whereas in SaaS, where, you know, cost to acquire a customer is huge. And also you're going for the long term, you know, the retention game uh, and the average contract value per year is, you know, north of $20,000. It really matters, the conversion rate. 
especially for for a large you know B2B SaaS companies, a lot of the customers acquire through outbound. And you know how outbound conversion rates are like thousand emails get you maybe ten demos. But what if you could validate that your cold email template? So like let's say you're trying to reach, I don't know, VP products with a cold pitch. They they will never take the time to respond to a cold email and say why it's all, you know, why it's bad, why it doesn't speak to them. But what if you could just validate it first and then increase your thousand emails to 10 uh, demos ratio and you can get 20 demos out of the thousand emails that would dramatically change the trajectory of your company you know oh no like (laughs) you're totally i you know the the sutro example you know it was a direct-to-consumer piece you know b2c but it also has a b2b component because the pool and spa industry has got distribution there's pool stores people buy up all so there was both sides of the commu- kind of the communications business that we we were trying to figure out. And it was amazing that, you know, those cold emails validating them and like, okay, how are we going to talk to the, you know, prof- pool professional that's, you know, cleaning pools or selling chemicals or, you know, whatever, clearly very different than what we do when we talk to a customer. Although the through line of the whole story was how to, how to serve this customer. Cause everyone was in the game of, well, how do we make more money off of our customer and our customer is the pool owner. Everyone's customer is a pool owner. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, it's so fascinating. Cause it seems because, you know, the whole direct to consumer stuff is a volume thing. They just crank out copy. They, it's almost like, a mechanical Turk. I mean, they could probably oh. use, you know, GPT three and just, we're just going to spam the world and see, Oh, we get, you know, a 0.5% increase. Boom. We paid for ourselves because of volume, right? Like yeah, so many people. And we actually had this problem. How do you target pool owners? Some of this stuff, like the um, direct to consumer, you know, digital marketing stuff doesn't work. A lot of it is a kind of a waste of money to be frank but the volumes there they can hide that but in b2b the volumes not there it can't hide the absolute abysmal performance of certain things and that is a really once you figure that out then the most the you know my late wife jane she would spend days on pitches to reporters because her job was to get publicity publicity for the clients so she would just refine the pitch and refine the pitch and share it with her friends. Like, what do you think? And who's this? I mean, she would just spend hours and hours and hours and hours. And her, you know, cold pitch conversion rate was pretty high because she understood I have to really make sure that this is like easy for them to say yes. Like, I got to get to yes, or I got to get to the next email, or I got to get, I can't like clutter it with, you know, I got to add a ton of value. I mean, there were some cases with some reporters where we'd write the story for them. <laughs> like, here, here's the story. <laughs> you just got to, you know, sign your name, right? Um, and so it, it's interesting how that insight sort of drove the pivot. Um, and I also do think there's like way more money in it, I would assume. Like people are willing to spend more money as opposed to a B2B or B2C. Absolutely, because also... So with B2B panels, we we deliver it in three levels of seniority, you know, like specialist level, middle management, like directors, management, uh, managers, and so on. And then senior leadership, like VPs, C-level, and so on. 
And since we, you know, we pay the panelists the VP levels, you know, you know, we need to pay more money to incentivize them. They uh, so those panels are, you know, significantly more expensive. Uh, but actually, the C level panel I think gets as much usage as our specialist panel. B two B companies often expensive products they sell to the VPs, you know. And so they're ready to also spend more money. Well, obviously, for us, it also means that there's a bigger, you know, average order value. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I won't say how much I get paid to do my panels, but <laughs> it's, I mean, I can't make a living off of it. But again, I think it's really just cool. Can buy some it, bottles of wine, maybe. Yeah, or, you know, more coffee or whatever. I mean, it's... it. The, the cool thing about it is, and, and I actually highly recommend people in management, senior level to actually do this. And you may think, oh, it's a waste of time. I got to go build my business, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's true. But the other thing that you have to realize is you got to realize what other people are doing. And I can't think of a better way to do that than to have someone ask your opinion about something that you may buy, like as it's being worked on. It's so, like I said, that one, that one panel I did, that same company, I did it three times with three different landing pages. And I mean, they actually took my feedback. And I was, mm. I was a little shocked, honestly, because I was sometimes was a little brutal. You know, I'm like, I just don't believe you, <laughs> you know? And, and I, hate to, I hate to say that to people because it's like, I know you've worked hard. You're probably some junior copywriter. Your boss is probably all up in your grill and the founder's like, yeah, man, we're the best. We're the only one. We're the first one, blah, you know? And you're like, yeah, okay. And then you got your boss going, oh, man. And, and you know, you maybe even deep in your heart, like know that it's bullshit, mm-hmm. but you can't prove it because you're either junior or the, 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 the C-level person's this, you know, tour de force. So this is a great way to validate, like, it's not you, it's not them. It's what other people think. It's the yes. problem is the problem, right? Like, let's solve the problem. That's why I love. Exactly. And then, I mean, you, you said you were brutal, brutally, you know, critical and that's, that's what they're paying for because nobody wants to pay money to get praised. Oh, that's great. Nothing to change over here. You know, that, that, that will be disappointing. Yeah. And, and, and I think what, what's in, and, and I like, you know, the fact that you guys have like, it's systematic, it's like the same questions, although I think people can add or change different questions, yes. but you've got like, like a process. And the reason why it just resonates with me is because I'm this thing called the story grid certified editor, which means I've been certified to do developmental editing for books and nonfiction. I don't do that for a living. I actually use that methodology to write copy and, and tell better uh-huh. stories for clients and I love, I love nothing more than frameworks in form to understand why something doesn't work. I, I have like, I'm working on a memoir right now about Jane and, and her and our experience with her illness. And I've had three editors look at it, like my friends. And it is like the most valuable thing in the world to have a good editor that gets you, that can give you constructive feedback because like literally anything I get back from them, I read it, I get upset for a day, like, oh, you didn't like it. <laughs> and then I stop. And then the next day I'm like, you're just trying to make me better. Okay, how can I fix this? And I think that's what winter does. It's like this third party, you know, almost like a super editor, like the, the, the thought process that went into it. It's like, let's take the emotion and personality out of it. 
And let's just focus on the data. Let's focus on the problems. Here's our methodology. And it works. And I don't know if, if is that kind of how you've thought of it? Or is that what other people say? I'm just, I, I mean, what's, what's the feedback been for, for this whole thing? For B2B, it's been a phenomenal. Yeah, like the level of uh, the feedback, the level of quality of uh, responses we're getting from panelists such as yourself uh, has been you know, excellent. So I am obviously I'm an entrepreneur and so by nature I'm optimistic, but I'm so stoked about winter. I think it's going to be a, a huge successful company and also you know, very valuable offering, a very valuable service. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, p- part of the reason why, again, I'm so attracted to it is that, you know, I have this idea that I've been working on called the story funnel, and it's about how to tell a brand's through line story and like, again, systematic process. And when I saw what you guys are doing, I'm like, wow, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, how do I like just tech some of the techie stuff, you know, I'm just so fascinated by, man, like someone figured out, cracked the nut. And, and applied like a systematic framework, not formula, because I don't, you know, I know a lot of people don't like, oh, it's this formula, that formula. Well, that, you know, there are stories that are formulatic, but there's also stories that take on form and all story has a form. It's got a genre. It has to have conventions and requirements. You have to like it here. If you're, it's a love story, the lovers better meet and they better break up and they better get back together or no one's going to care. <laughs> like no one's going to care. And I think it's the same thing with brands. And then that's why, you know, I started working on this story funnel idea to apply all the storytelling to brands. And I literally, the spark, the spark was when I saw what you're doing at copy testing. Like the first, the first, I'm like, wow, like this is almost possible. I mean, it wasn't quite exactly, but I'm like, Oh, they're like on to something because that's the biggest problem I have as an agency. I write something. I think, of course, it's awesome. The client's like, eh, let's test it. And I'm all, how are we going to test this? Like in a quant, like in a real good way, that's actually going to be useful because again, like this whole AB testing, they can tell me which one won, but they're never going to tell me why. And I want to know why. And what you're doing is like the first step in the why. And I'm assuming eventually it'll be, you know, automated with AI and all that sort of stuff, which may or may not happen. But like the progression is very clear. Like it's the first step. Okay. This worked. Why? Tell me why. Cause then I'll get better. And so are, are you guys like, as your roadmap evolves, is it going to be are there going to be more automated services? Are you going to have to continue to rely on like humans or how does it, how's it going well, to Well, humans for now, because uh, everybody is selling to humans, not machines. So we're checking how it lands on real humans. Uh, so all those other, let's say, companies that are going into like AI written copy, GTP3 and, you know, in the future, more higher numbers. That's fine. I mean, that's not the business we're in. We're not in the business of writing copy. We're in the business of checking how it lands, you know. So, so it's always going to be human, uh, human uh, powered. We do are we are planning to build a deep learner, meaning that we are checking, uh, going to check on how co- certain copy is uh, is rated, 
and so we can predict, do automatic prediction how we think this copy is landing on a certain audience. Uh, but that's you know very early stage work right now. Cool. Well, uh, that's that sounds great. And uh, I really appreciate your time, man. We could go on for another hour and <laughs> pick your brain about the cool stuff. Um, but again, thanks again for being on the podcast. Everyone that's doing any kind of copy stuff, any B2B stuff, just go use Winter. Go figure out how to make better copy. It just works great. And that's just not because I'm, you know, get paid sometimes to do it. I, I've used it before. It's awesome service. I love how it's evolved. I'm just so stoked about what you're trying to do. And it's really important because people out there need to write better copy. And the only way to do it is how does it land? I love it. You know, how does it land with real people? It's just awesome. So thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate your support, man. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.